Hour underway on Flames Talk with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Wes with us for the week as we get this hour going on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Flames are off on a four-game road trip that starts Monday night in Seattle. A meat grinder of a road trip. Four games in six nights. So lots to talk about with that but let's kick off this hour talking a little bit about Michael Backlund because I don't know if we've spoken a ton about Backlund so far this season and he's in his first year as team captain there was a lot of fanfare rightfully so when Backlund signed back for two more years and was named 21st captain of the Calgary Flames and only about, what, six weeks into being named captain of the team? Six, seven weeks, whatever it is. Yeah, it hasn't been long. He's had a lot to uh, he's had a lot to figure out. He's had a lot to navigate inside that room as the new appointed official leader. There's been a lot of noise. There's been a lot of outside extraneous stuff that has been difficult to keep out of the locker room, whether it be suspensions or contract rumors or trade requests or injuries going all the way back to the early summer. There's been a lot of noise and it hasn't dissipated so far this season. No. And you can add benchings to the list. There's been a lot about uh, a lot of storylines. I I think you and I had the conversation at the Saddle Dome the other day. It it sure doesn't feel like we're six weeks into this hockey season. No, it feels like (laughs) it feels like we're in April already. Yeah. And we're not the captain. So imagine how he feels. So we talk about noise, right? And uh, noise is a word that we've heard a lot over the last couple of weeks. And that noise took another level up on Friday. So a little bit more than a week ago, last Friday, when Nikita Zadorov's trade request became public. And that certainly got a lot of people buzzing around the league. I want to take you back to this past Saturday. So a couple of nights ago, Saturday headlines with Elliot Friedman in the second intermission of Calgary's 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders. couple of Flames nuggets, and this is the one that we're talking about relating to Michael Backlund and the, the noise surrounding this team right now. The other thing that happened in Calgary this week came from their captain, Michael Backlund. From what I understand, Backlund spoke to some of the players. I don't know if it was in a group or if it was one-on-one, but he said, we have to end the noise. There are too many distractions around the team. You remember what happened last Friday night with Zadorov? He just said, enough of that. We have to concentrate on playing. If you don't want to be here, let the general manager know, and we'll figure it out. But for as long as you're here, no more noise. We have to play, and it's one of the reasons that Calgary had a pretty good week. Jen, what do you think of that? 
What do I think? I mean, I think it's great. Classy move by Backlund, and, and just as a sign of respect for your teammates. If you're part of that organization, I feel you've got to focus on playing and pr playing the right way, so I think a great move by him. It's called being a professional, right? Yeah. It's part of being a professional hockey player and a professional athlete is everyone has their own job to do, but ultimately you're part of a big team that's trying to win hockey games. So your personal agenda, whether you want more ice time, whether you want to move teams, has to be set aside or kept quiet. Great move by Backlund, who's uh, an early captain but uh, something that probably needs to be done in Calgary. So that was Elliot Friedman, followed by Jen Botterill, and then Kevin Bieksa when talking about uh, what, what Michael did. You know, that's, that's a good captain-like move, right? That's, uh, we're going to hear from him in just a second because uh, we were down at practice on Sunday and, and dove into some of this stuff with him. But that's a, that's a big captain's move. Like, okay, let's shut up and not do this anymore. Let's focus on the season and the games that we've got to win and get ourselves back into this playoff picture. And, and what I was struck by in our conversation with Michael Backlund after an optional practice yesterday at the Saddledome is, is that he didn't want all the credit for this. And, and I think that's, that's a very captain-like behavior as well, but he was quick at, to point out, and we'll hear it in a, a moment, that... Ryan Huska, the head coach in Calgary, had had a big part in delivering this message as well. So this was, Michael, the day after the Flames held an optional practice, as Wes mentioned, at the Saddledome on Sunday before they jetted off to Seattle. A small but mighty media contingent was there on a uh, Sunday all afternoon. All the heavy hitters. Oh, absolutely. The diehards. We were all there. This is uh, this is Michael Backlund. Uh, Wes, Wes starts the questioning, and then we kind of expand, Wes and I, on, on this uh, entire first six, seven weeks of Michael as team captain. Elliot said something last night about you, whether it was addressing the group or talking to guys individual, as individuals, sorry, about, hey, enough of the noise, we got to cut out the distractions here. What what made that an important message for you to pass along? <clears throat> uh, well, uh, I, uh, I talked to uh, uh, one or two guys, and then you know I talked to Husk, and um, you know then Husk dressed everything uh, in the room in front of everyone, and uh, I thought it was important, and you know me and Husk uh, discussed it, and uh, we felt that you know him uh, speaking for the whole team was going to be uh, you know enough, and uh, he said some good things, and uh, you know after that we just turned the page, and uh, um, everyone know uh, what had happened, and. Uh, yeah, now we're just focusing on playing games and keeping the distractions out. So are you satisfied with kind of the results of what was said then in the past little while in terms of the way the group is refocused? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. And, yeah. How have you, as now that we're a few months into you being captain, like how do you feel you've grown into the role and, and are getting more comfortable in that role? Yeah, no, I uh, feel, uh, been feeling better and better. And, um you know, in the beginning, you uh, maybe overthink a little bit, and uh, and but now I feel like it's, uh, you know, some guys came up to me too, which is appreciated, saying, you know, just, you know, it's, you've been the captain for the last two years or so, and just, you know, don't have to do anything different, and uh, it's always nice to hear too, and uh, especially during that tough stretch we're in, uh, you know, you you think about it a lot, what you can do to help guys or help the team, and. Um, yeah, maybe I put on a little too much on myself I think, early on, and uh, I think I balanced that a little bit more as the season's been going on. I mean, we haven't played it's only not even 20 games, but uh, close to it. Uh, so I feel like I've been growing into it more and more. 
But there is, there is a change, eh? Like you wear an A and you knew you were a leader, but now that C gets put on you. Like there, there is a change, isn't there? Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, everyone's different, but I felt a little bit, and uh, we didn't get the best start either. And uh, that gets you thinking about how, you, like I said, uh, how you can help or change things, and uh, you take more on more responsibilities. And I try to balance that out and uh, you know control what I can control um, and focus more on that. That is Michael Backlund when he spoke Sunday after practice before the Flames went out on this four-game road trip, which starts in Seattle. It's a big, that's a big step. I think there's a, there was a lot in there. Like first of all, he admitted to your question that yeah, he did take a couple of guys aside and then engaged the head coach and and tried to nip the distractions in the bud and get the group focused back on playing and. Um, and then he admitted that it's taken a little while for him even to settle into the captain's shoes. And he's still kind of getting, breaking those shoes in when it comes to what it means to be the captain. I thought that was, uh, there was some revealing stuff in there from Michael on Sunday. Yeah. And it's so hard to gauge sort of how the captain is doing. And by that, I, I just mean, you know, a captain of a team that is struggling on the ice that it, you're not praising the leadership in the, in that scenario. And and yet when you talk to Michael Backlund's Flames teammates, you hear a ton of good things about the way he's already sort of evolved into that role, the way he he's embraced that, that role. I, I think, you know, it's only really reinforced that the Flames, despite not the exact, you know, results they're looking for on the ice so far, I, I do think that they made the right choice as captain and I'll share one thing I don't know if you were here or or not here but at the Saddle Dome on this day but I think back to training camp shortly after Michael Backlund was named captain and the circumstances were that after playing kind of on the second line for all of training camp Adam Ruzichka practiced with the fourth line for the first time found himself as as fourth line center I guess it would have been right after the the Cole Schwint experiment ended and he was reassigned to the Wranglers and, and Adam didn't look like a guy who was taking the news very well in his first practice. He, uh, he was not, let's say very engaged or, or dialed in. He, he looked like he was, I would say from my vantage point, probably moping a little bit. And again, Pat, I'm not sure if you were there, but we watched Michael Backlund kind of down the hallway from where the media was waiting to get into the room after practice, have a really long conversation with Adam Ruzichka. And I don't know what was being said. It was out of earshot, but I'll tell you that there was one guy not doing a whole lot of talking, just listening. And there was Captain Michael Backlund delivering a message. And that was the first glimpse. You don't see it outside the room very often. And I don't think Michael realized that kind of where they were hidden away, we could see what was happening. But that was my first indication of of those sort of true leadership abilities. And, and I know that's something that Michael does more often than not is he he's not the guy who wants to make an example of guys in front of everybody else. Michael Backlund does a whole lot of one-on-one leadership. A whole lot of, hey, come with me, let's have a chat for a second. Yeah. And Everything that I've been able to glean and sort of everything that that I've read between the lines about what we've heard in the last couple of days, that was exactly how he handled this. Yeah, and uh, he, he said, yeah, I talked to one or two guys. It's pretty safe to assume that one of those guys is a big defenseman who wears number 16. It just feels, it feels like that's, that's a, a strong hunch. That's connect. a strong hunch. <laughs> um, 
And I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much all of that correlates to their turnaround. They're four, one and two now in their last seven. So that's points in six of their last seven games, including that five, four shootout loss to the Islanders, where again, they showed a remarkable amount of resilience, erasing a two goal lead and then a one goal lead. But I can't imagine it hurt him. I can't imagine Michael doing that and and, uh, trying to shut out some of that noise. There's something to be said about blocking out noise and coming together as a team and, and, you know, try to insulate yourself. And even if it, even if it's only temporary, uh, us against the world type vibe, I don't think there's ever anything wrong with trying to rally around something like that. Yeah. And I I don't know that it's the reason for the turnaround. And I, I certainly know that's not what you're suggesting, but at one point this team had lost six in a row. They, they were up against enough in the sense of they were struggling to to really find any momentum on the ice. And, and so I think what Michael Backlund's leadership in this instance has done is at least prevented them from falling back into a place where it felt like nothing was going their way. I, I don't think that this sparked it, but he he's managed to say, hey, let's not let's not throw away what we're yeah what we're building on the ice because of everything that's happening off it. And I know it just, I shouldn't say I know I, I get the sense having watched Michael Backlund's media scrum right after the flames returned from their last trip, having heard him characterize Zadorov's trade request as something he found out on Twitter, like everyone else. I think there were a lot of people who were rubbed the wrong way by what happened a week and a half ago in, in Toronto. And it sure feels like Michael Backlund was one of them, but this isn't, this wasn't a, you know, I'm going to lambaste Nikita Zadorov for what happened. It sure seems like he made this a bigger focus of guys. We can't let any of these, there's going to be yep. more distractions. There's going to be more trade talks. There's going to be all that. We can't let this seep into the locker. Well, room. and and the whole idea of keeping it in house, I think is, is one of the issues as to, where all this Zadorov stuff has gone because it was a few weeks prior when he said those things about too many individuals and, and, you know, excuses are gone. Daryl's gone, all that type of stuff. I think even then there was a feeling of there's enough noise. We don't need this type of stuff on top of it. And so I, I think that that just overall with all of what has gone down, there's the, there's the talk about, well, contract talks are close. Now contract talks are paused. And where's this guy going to go? And Kadri doesn't want to be here if they rebuild. And all these different things that we hear and they get leaked from different spots. I think I think the message is keep that stuff inside the room and let's not have these things going public. Let's not use Elliot Friedman and the media to try to get messages out there. Let's Let's try to keep it internal so that because everybody in that room still wants to have success, whether it's individual success or team success. And I think the message is, okay, if you want to get traded, you want to be playing well so that lots of teams want you. If you want to stay, you want to be playing well so that the team can do well and all that type of stuff. So let's let's shut out all the outside stuff. Let's keep everything in here. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. But go talk to Craig and not let that get out and not let that affect the rest of the group. Curious to see, A, if it works, and B, how that does rally a team here for a little while. Yeah, and I, I think as a captain, 
Michael Backlund a couple months ago was pondering his own future in terms of whether he was interested in re-signing with the Calgary Flames. I, I think it's important to note that Michael Backlund is understanding of what it's like to have those thoughts in your head. You know, do I want to stay here? Where's this team going? What's my future look like? I think he understands the sort of internal distractions that a Nikita Zadorov or an Elias Lindholm or a Noah Hannafin has. Yep. It's just for as long as this group is together, and, and I know the the rebuild debate rages on outside the Saddle Dome walls, but for as long as this group is together, they're trying to win hockey games. And this approach is really the only way they're going to do it. Yep. I, I think it was frustrating for the Calgary Flames even on Tuesday. And, and, and I, I don't maybe mean this so much inside the locker room, but organizationally, I sense some frustration that they, they went and delivered a, a good performance in Montreal. They won a hockey game and Nazem Kadri's future was the conversation. Yeah. And I think that is as much about what this is about as even the more so, sort of blunt delivery of the Nikita Zadorov news. But it, I think this is a, like, let's put the focus back on the ice. And here's how we can do it. Yep. See if it works. Yeah, it, I don't know that it is going to. this. We're going to be talking about all sorts of rumors, right? Yep. You know, the, the Noah Hannafin extension rumor has now gone away. At some point, there's going to be a, a Noah Hannafin being linked to this team or this team trade rumor, maybe talk of an extension with a trade elsewhere. You're going to hear trade rumors around Lindholm. You're going to hear more about Tanev, more about Sidorov. I, I, I believe you're going to hear Jacob Markstrom trade rumors get a little bit louder if he continues the way he's playing. It's going to go on and on and on. And that's going to be a real challenge for this team. And, and I would say specifically for Michael Backlund as captain. Yep. And interesting to see how he navigates it, but that's right. a, that's a big first step in year one. As because captain. he wears it. I, I had a conversation with Michael Backlund. Um, I guess it would have been after five games of the losing skid. And it was really difficult on him. Like he, he did not feel like he was playing his best hockey. And offensively, I know there's some frustration with how little he's contributed this season. He still only has two goals both, in the both same on game. the same night. I yep. think one into an empty net. Yep. And and yet he talked about how different it was in, in my conversation with him that, that day to be trying to figure out not only how to fix your own game, but to fix what was a big mess with the team. Like yep. he... He absolutely wears it. And, and even though he wore it last year when they lost seven in a row, he'd be the first to tell you that you wear it a little differently with the C on. Yep. Uh, this text comes in at 960-960. Um, personally, I think when Nikita made those comments originally with reference to players without naming names, I think that he may have alienated himself from one or more players that eventually led to him and his agent doing what they did with regards to a potential trade. Could very well be the case. I... I I definitely believe there was a little bit of a okay, we didn't we don't need we don't need uh we don't need to be adding on to the noise ourselves. There's there's noise that you can't control, but we don't need to be turning the volume up ourselves. There is a little bit of a feel of that like okay, can you could you not have said that publicly? Yeah. 
Could I you mean, maybe have just said that behind closed doors? I mean, if you want to talk about being less individual, the, the worst way to show it is with an individual trade request announced on Twitter after a game in the center of the hockey universe. Yeah. Not the way you do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this says, yeah, sure, guys. Backlund's the reason the Flames have won any games at all. They'd be winless if he didn't get named captain. I believe that's exactly the point that Wes and that, I have been making. You know what? That is, a, that is a terrific paraphrase. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for breaking it down for us so succinctly. Uh, if you did want to listen again, it'll be uploaded in podcast form. Yes. And, and you can maybe maybe understand that it's a little more nuanced than that. But, but no, for, no, but that for is starters, exactly the point that we were making. Yeah. Okay. You I don't think that, I don't think there's been any other takeaway from our conversation. Not even one. Anywho. Future Flamestock co-host. Yeah. You know what? You seem happy. Come come join us. Pat and Wes along with you. This hour of Flames Talks underway. We're going to talk positively about somebody else. So this guy's going to be really upset. But um, you know who else I think has done a nice job of settling into a leadership role? Is I'm, I'm really impressed with the way the narrative is turned on Nazem Kadri. From being like one of the top public enemies... Whoa, seven by seven. He's in year two. This is a disaster. He's not scoring. He doesn't publicly say there's anything wrong. Like, what is going on with this guy? It was him and Huberdeau. And now all of a sudden, the last three weeks, Kadri's been the team's best player. And not only has he been the team's best player, but he all of a sudden, people are talking about him being like, oh, the, the, another coach on the ice and father figure and all. All of a sudden, he's centering a line with the two rookies on the team, Zeri on the left, Pospisil on the right. It's been a dynamite line since they've been put together. He's putting up points. The line's putting up points. They're all playing well. Like This has been a real, very, very drastic turn in the narrative. And and I give give Nazem a lot of credit. We're going to hear from him in just a second, too. But I give him a lot of credit for how he has dove into a different role and, and really turned the narrative around and, and really turned a lot of opinions on his season around. It uh, It's an important narrative for me in two different ways. One being Nazem Kadri as an individual is playing his best hockey of the season. And I know he would tell you that there's no difference that he feels like he was playing good hockey all season. This is a better Nazem Kadri that we're seeing from my vantage point. And the second, I think important narrative is that the Calgary flames have struggled for 90 some games to find line mates that clicked with Kadri. The closest we saw, I think was, was Dylan Dubé, Adam Ruzichka. Yeah. A little bit of Andrew. Yeah, it just never seemed to click. And yet that's changed this, this line starting with Zaria and Sharon Govich, but especially since Martin Pospisil was put on that Kadri and the kids line, man, they, they have been Calgary's best forward line every night that they've been together. Yep. They're fun to watch. They really bring out, I think, the best in Nazem Kadri. I, I think they complement his skill set really well. And that, as much as the individual stuff, that that trio is a really important, I think, storyline for these Flames. 100%. And, and Ryan Huska has fed them with offensive zone starts. And they have fed off those offensive zone starts. Yeah. Like they are, they are right now from from an offensive stamp. That's the number one line on the team right now. That's the line that you're like, if you need a goal, 
it's going to be from the Kadri line. That whole sequence that resulted in Martin Pospisil's first period goal against the Islanders, starting with the touch pass on the breakout from Connor Zary to Nazem Kadri, who is supporting him really well in, in that instance, continuing with this terrific the bounce pass. pass off the boards and, and then the the speed and the skill that we saw from Martin Pospisil to finish that off. Like that was just a sort of textbook sequence that man, this line is fun to watch. This is uh, Connor uh, who joined us on our postgame show Saturday following the shootout loss to the Islanders and asked him about why it's working so well with him and Kadri. From my terms, I think just that's that's a guy who's an all-star. He's, a, he's an amazing player. He kind of commands the puck through the middle of the ice, and, and that's what you want, a, a guy in the middle who, who kicks it out to his wingers and, and makes plays for them and opens up space for them. So I think it's been it's been great for me just learning from him and seeing the things he does, especially with his hockey IQ and his talent out there. It's It's been it's been amazing. I think it just, just clicked. And Nazem spoke after practice on Sunday as well, talked about playing with a couple of young players on his line and how he's growing into, you know, even being more of a leader on this team as well. With young players, I think you always got to, because it's easy to, you know, when things are going well, to maybe just let off the gas a little bit because, you know, you're young and you're raw and you think uh, that everything's just going to kind of come easily if 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 it already has, so... It's really what I try to tell them is just try to prepare them every single, you know, period, every single game to uh, to try to, you know, surpass what we did the game before. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that's key in order to be a great, great player and a great professional is you got to approach every game the same way. And, uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're definitely open and receptive to that. Right. Huska said that you might have even lean more into your leadership role in the room. Is that is that something that you've worked on or, or maybe? you've seen develop here in, in year two with the team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think over the course of my career, it's kind of always something I've uh, tried to, um, you know, increase my role every every year uh, of experience I get. Just, you know, try to try to help out and spread some wisdom and knowledge. And, you know, I, I'm certainly learning even at this point in my career. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I by no means have all the answers or know it all, but, um, you know, I certainly can, uh, you know, spread my experiences and what I've... Uh, you know, seeing firsthand and, and try to uh, help other guys become better. And in doing that, I think it's going to help us become a better team, which is, you know, w- what uh, what I want. And I don't think it is a coincidence that this team's overall game has come at almost exactly the same time as Kadri's game has taken a big-time step. And, and I think Zeri and Pospisil joining is a big part of it, too. And them all being together on the same line is a big part of it. But Nazem Kadri is one of the two or three most important forwards on this team. And the way he sets a tone, the way he goes about his business, and the fact that he's doing that consistently, I do not think it's a coincidence that the overall team has been harder to play against over the last three weeks. Yeah, I I like the way you put it in terms of setting the tone. I, I absolutely think that he's started to do that i believe at one point at the start of the season he was to minus 12 or or minus 11 it was certainly uh quote unquote leading the team in in that category and in terms of piling up minuses him and and jonathan huberto and so just the the sort of attitude that we've seen out of him and i mean that in a very complimentary way of late the 
the way he's been engaged, like I, I, I genuinely think, and it's not just the mentorship role. I, I think he really is enjoying playing with these kids. And I, and I know talking to him about the two of them individually, he has a lot of time for Connor Zary's playmaking abilities and his hockey IQ. And he told me in regards to Martin Pospisil, he loves playing with workers because they're going to go get the puck. And there's a good chance that Nas is going to end up with it. And so I remember back toward the start of the season when Ryan Huska was talking about forward lines and how you build them. And he talked about how you want some, some pace, you want some grit and you want some guys who can make plays. Well, this combo really has all of that. Yeah. And, and I do think that Nazem Kadri, and I, I don't mean it in the sense of, I don't think he was pouting when he was playing with other guys, but I think he feels that fit now. I think he feels like he's got a line that can go out there and, and make an impact. And yeah. we're seeing it. He's and he, the line and Kadri individually playing with some swagger. And that is when Nazem's at his best, when he's got a little snarl, when he's got, there's a little cock in his walk. Like that's when on the ice, like that's when Nazem Kadri is at his very best. And he has been of late. I give him a lot of credit because you know, we want to talk about noise. There's a lot of noise surrounding Nazem's individual game for the first few weeks of the season. He shut that noise out. Not like I think it's hard for him. He's, as he said to us, he's like, guys, I played in Toronto. Like I, I'm, yeah, this, this isn't is a, too bad. This is fine. But, He's done a good job of of turning things around for himself. Good on him. Yeah, and he's talked to those young line mates of his about playing sort of a fearless style. And I think when you watch Nazem Kadri play the way he plays at his best, there is that fearlessness. There, there's he exudes confidence for sure. And I think that's rubbing off on his line mates, and, and I would even say rubbing off on his other teammates right now as well. Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, we're underway this hour on Flames Talk. And whether you're a fan of sports or just a fan of great deals, you got to get to 403 Local. So here's the deal. Every time the local hockey heroes are playing, you've got the game day deal at 403 Local. And it's a, it's a beauty. Two beers and a pizza, just 20 bucks every game day when, uh, when the hockey team's playing. On Sundays, you can watch football, NFL football, 50-cent wings at happy hour all day. Not a lot of places that are doing 50-cent wings on NFL Sunday. They also do wings on Wednesday. Monday is dry ribs, just 5 bucks a pound. They also have daily happy hour, 3 till 6 p.m. They've got lunch special every weekday from 11.30 till 2.30. And 403 Locals available for private functions. they got TV wall to wall you got to visit them visit 403 local in canyon meadows that's physically or visit them at 403local.com anything and everything calgary flames it's all on flames talk sportsnet 960 the fan all right a monday edition now of our daily flames roundtable brought to you by mercedes-benz country hills the glc 300 formatic coupe is built for winter loyalty lease rate of 3.99 percent on a 48 month lease Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Monday roundtable. Gents, um, we, we, we talked first half of this hour a lot about Michael Backlund and, and him leaning more and more into being the captain of this team. Well, on top of that, 
The way his line has played the last couple of games in particular, really strong. Backland between Coleman on the right, as per usual, leading goal scorer, Blake Coleman, and then Jonathan Huberdeau on the left. And the last two games as a line, they've been really, really strong, giving the Flames two really good lines as we've gotten used to the Kadri line being one of the best every single night. What do we think is working, though, with Backland, Huberdeau, and Coleman as a trio, specifically the last couple of games? Well, Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman have worked together pretty much from the get-go, and this goes back a few years now. So I don't think anybody's surprised that those two guys have continued to play well together, playing on the same line this season. You know, Michael Backlund, uh, he's fought it a little bit offensively, but still been very good defensively and outstanding on the penalty kill. And Blake Coleman, you mentioned the fact that he leads the team in goals with five. I'm not sure anybody saw that coming 17 games into the season. He's got six points in his last six games. He's on pace for a career-high 24 goals and 43 points this season. So he's playing really well with and without the puck. And it doesn't seem to matter who you put on their wing. Uh, it tend to give, tends to give them a bump. And it didn't in the first game that Jonathan Huberto was there, but it certainly has in the last couple. But, you know, I, I think in addition to being put with two good line mates, and maybe even more so. I think this is about Jonathan Huberto finding some confidence and, and sw- finding a little bit of swagger again because uh, I think uh, it was really starting to weigh on him. Uh, all of the noise, as hard as he tried to block it out, I think it's impossible. You're going to hear it and you're going to see it. Uh, and I think he, he did, and then it was starting to get to him and became uh, a pretty big gorilla on his back. So the fact that he was able to, to snap that long goal streak, uh, have a, a multi-point game against the Canucks and then follow it up with uh, another good game against the Islanders has to build uh, at least a little bit of confidence and swagger. And he's starting to make plays again, guys. And there were a number of times on Saturday where I looked over at Megan Mickelson and said, he's starting to look like the old Jonathan Huberto again. And that's great news for him and great news for the Flames too. Yeah, I'd agree that Saturday was a, a big <clears throat> step in the right direction for, for Jonathan Huberto. And I do think that finally scoring that goal against the Vancouver Canucks sort of lifted a weight off his shoulder. And yet he would tell you, well, now I need to do it again. And Ryan Huska said the same thing on Thursday after the the win over the Canucks. Okay, well, yeah, it's great that he did score, but yep. we need uh, a more consistently productive Jonathan Huberto. And I do think that while it's a small sample size, I, I think we've seen some positives there. I, I want to talk for a second, and Wilsey already did, about Blake Coleman, because I actually think that while Michael Backlund typically drives that line, I think Blake Coleman is the guy driving it for the past few games, maybe maybe for most of this season, regardless of who's been on that opposite wing. I had a good chat with Blake yesterday, and... You know, he said he feels this is the best hockey he's played as a Calgary Flame. This is the healthiest he's felt as a Calgary Flame. He he said he finally was able to address something that had kind of been lingering going back to his Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. runs. And so we've really seen an engaged and an effective Blake Coleman. And I think that's helping Michael Backlund, who does need to pick it up offensively. I think it's now helping Jonathan Huberto. I think Blake Coleman's been one of the 
really pleasant stories for this team so far. Well, and I think after a rough first game when that was in Montreal, I guess it was that that rough first game. Okay, they stuck with it. The Flames won that game. There is no reason to really uh, throw the lines into a blender and. You know, the, the two games they've played since, I think that you're seeing exactly what the Flames were hoping for when they did this. They have tried many different things to get Jonathan Huberdeau going. Very few of them this season have worked. So maybe a duo that you always know is going to be reliable and is going to be effective when they're together in Backlund and Coleman and also have a history of elevating whoever is on their line with them, well, try it with Huberdo. And and I think that, I, I don't know if, if Jonathan looked at it as a message or as an opportunity or what, but they're playing against top lines. They're starting more shifts in the defensive zone. It's just, I, I think it is also one thing that I've noticed specifically the last two games and I thought was very much on display against the Islanders was because they're having to play a little bit more of a 200-foot game. It's forcing Huberto to move his feet a little bit more, and when he's doing that, he's that much more effective. We've heard enough about how the stationary Huberto, when he's taking passes standing still and then needing to accelerate, that lessens his effectiveness rather dramatically. So now talking about a more in-motion Huberto, I think that's helped. Um, So all in all, yeah, it's the last two games have been good, and guys, the Lindholm line's been it was meh. It was a, it was essentially the third line when you take a look at ice time. The Kadri line was the one, the Backlund line was the two, and then a big drop to the Lindholm line as the three on Saturday. But the fact that they right now feels like they've got a chance of having two lines going on any given night, one of them the Backlund line, one of them the Kadri line. That 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 just makes them that much more difficult to play against because there were a lot of stretches in those first 10 games where Wilsey, they were maybe not a hard team to play against because they just didn't have uh, enough depth going. Well, they've, they've looked like a little bit of a deeper team over the last six or seven games here. They have, but even though they probably won that Canadians game with one line going and have had two lines going, more often than not guys that's still not going to be good enough for them long run no definitely not yeah this is a team that has to get at least three lines going i mean might be a little bit too much to ask to get four lines going all the time and three pairings but that's how this team is built they're not built to beat you with one or two lines they're built to beat you by rolling four lines and three pairings and and with good goaltending so they're going to have to become that team i do think they're trending in that direction which has been good to see and you know Jonathan Huberto has been a big part of it over the last couple of games and you talked about how he's moving his feet Pat that's been very noticeable and maybe a, a bit more heavy lifting defensively is forcing him to do that he, he's always been an east-west player and, and this probably goes hand in hand with him moving his feet more but I think he's been a little bit more north-south in the last couple of games and that could be just the uh, the side effect of playing with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman, because that's how those guys tend to play the game. But earlier this season, I thought he was a little bit more north-south and a little less east-west. I think for him to be at his best, he still has to have a little bit of that east-west in his game. But uh, I do think that there has to be more north-south. 
and just playing in straight lines and you know, moving his feet and getting in there in the four track. And he's also been a little bit more engaged physically in the last couple of games, which has been good to see. And he's got pretty good size at 6'1", 200, so he can play that way. But, no, it's been good to see. And the Flames need to see more of it. And, and it's crazy, just prepping for tonight's game. Did you know that Jonathan Huberto has scored the same number of goals, three, and the same number of games played as Matthew Kachuk, 17? And that he's got one more goal and three more points in two less games than Johnny Gaudreau. So there's still plenty of time for Jonathan Huberto to get to where he's used to being. And that's as a point of game guy in this league. And he's, he's got some ground to make up after a tough start to the season. But uh, like the team, appears to be trending in the right direction. The, the one thing that I'll add guys about Jonathan Huberto playing with Coleman and Backlund and and I should stress I don't think you want your most talented offensive guy as a long-term fit on what I would consider your shutdown line but the one thing I I would say about Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman is they're both very predictable and I say that in a good way you know exactly what you're gonna get from them I, I think in Jonathan Huberto's case, it's probably pretty easy to guess where those guys are going to be at, at certain points in the game. And I think when you're talking about a guy in Huberto who has not completed enough passes, who has had too many giveaways, that sort of predictability can be helpful. That can equal stability as he tries to just sort of feel better uh, about hitting the tape with more of his passes. I, yeah. think, I think that can... I think that can give him a nudge in the right direction. And just quickly, we've heard, I think, the head coach and all the assistant coaches say that over the last two, three weeks, the Flames as a team have started to play faster. And part of that is skating faster, but more of it is just thinking less and reacting more. And I think that's helped Jonathan Huberto because he admitted that there were times where you know, he was spending an extra half second thinking about what play he should be making instead of just instinctively making it. I think he's starting to play a little bit faster, and maybe it's the team dragging him along, or maybe he's uh, dragging his line mates along at, at times. But it's uh, it's a tough game with it being faster now than it's ever been before if, if you're spending too much time thinking instead of just reacting. So, again, a lot like the team, it looks like he's – uh, starting to play a little bit faster, and I think that's helped his cause. To our Daily Flames roundtable on this Monday with Derek, Wes, and Pat. Um, Flames are kicking off a meat grinder of a four-game road trip Oof. Monday night in Seattle. Uh, they play four games in six nights with a just a whack of travel. In, but like Seattle to Nashville... That's like Calgary to Toronto. It's not It's not a hop, skip, and a jump. Anyway, I digress. Uh, in game one of the road trip, uh, Walker Dewar comes back into the lineup. He's missed the last five games as a healthy scratch. It'll be Adam Ruzicka exiting the lineup as a healthy scratch Monday in Seattle. What's, uh, what's going to keep Dewar in the lineup? What's going to keep him from going back into the healthy scratch category? Well, first of all, again, I give credit to Ryan Hoska, putting his money where his mouth is. He said if guys don't play the way the team needs them to, he's going to take away ice time. And uh, if that doesn't work, he's going to sit them down or maybe even send them down. And he has done that with Walker Dewar, and now he's doing it with Adam Brzezicka, who isn't giving the team enough right now. But, you know, Walker Dewar, a healthy scratch in the last five games after he played in the first 12 games. So, I suspect he will be shot out of a cannon in Seattle tonight. 
And he's a guy who's got good size at 6'2", 210, and skates well for a big guy. So I think Walker Dewar just has to get back to basics in the sense that play a, a straightforward game, get the puck in, chase it, wear down the other team's defenseman, and just try to do your damage offensively by playing that honest brand of hockey. He, he looked like a guy who got a little too comfortable to me. Uh, you know, this is his first year as a full-time NHLer, got rewarded with uh, a two-year contract during the offseason, and maybe just took for granted all of the hard work that he put in to get to this league as uh, an undrafted college free agent. And I think sitting down for five games is going to remind him how lucky he is to be in the NHL and how badly he wants to be here and what he has to do to not necessarily stay here. I don't think they're going to send him down anytime soon, but to stay in the lineup. So for Walker Dewar, I'd like to see him and the other guys in the fourth line just be tough to play against. And if they play that way, he's got enough skill to go with his size and with his speed to be able to do some damage with some goals and some points. But I think it's just simplifying his game a little bit and, uh, and, and working because when you're playing on the fourth line and when you're a bubble guy, if, if the work's not there, chances are you're going to be out of the lineup as he's been for the last five games. Two things for me, I think, and this is another credit to the emergence of Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil. Whenever we're talking about guys coming out of the lineup who had been in the weeks before sort of staples, guys that were always in the lineup, I think that shows added depth. And I do think that's a credit to the young guys. We weren't talking about a Ruzichka when healthy coming out. We weren't talking about Walker Dewar coming out that this is a, a sign that those two call-ups have really bolstered their depth. And now specific to, to Walker Dewar, I think, I think this hopefully can be a, a necessary reset for him. He He's a guy who needs to play with a ton of speed. As Derek said, he needs to be physical on the forecheck like this. This is a guy who needs to play a very meat and potatoes brand. And yet he has, some skill that we need to see as well. Before Walker Dewar came out of the lineup, he had one shot on goal in his past four games. This is a guy who, when he came up as a rookie last season, I I thought did a a quite nice job of directing Poxet on the net and and getting some opportunities, even if those were maybe longer shots off the wing on the rush, generating some offense. And we haven't really seen that from Walker Dewar this season. So I think this is a chance. I, I don't, Imagine the plan was to sit him for five in a row, but I, I think that'll be a valuable reset. I, I don't doubt that we're going to see a really good Walker doer tonight. It just can't tail off. Yeah. He, uh, look, the Flames have gotten great performances from Connor Zary and, and Walker doer as they've been injected into this lineup. There's no way you're taking those guys out. And those guys have cemented spots in the lineup for the time being. And as as you said, Willsey, I mean they they they've talked about letting letting results be. Uh, or I'm trying to think of the right term. Ryan Huska said he's going to speak with his ice time essentially, and he has. Mm-hmm. And and both positively and negatively, he's done that. Flames have said they're going to make room for players, young players. If you're the best guy going, it doesn't matter what your age is, you're going to play. They've 
followed through on that. So now the challenge has been laid out to Walker. Like, hey, you were really good for us last year. And they know what he's capable of. When, when he's on, he can be a really effective fourth-line winger. And we just haven't seen that same motor. We haven't seen that that same effectiveness. I, take a look at what A.J. Greer's done on the left side of that fourth line. You know what to expect. You know he's going to be physical when he's out there. You know he's going to work to get to hard areas when he's out there. They've gotten that from A.J. Greer. That's what Walker Dewar did last year. Played with speed, got to hard, hard areas, played physical, was was a difficult player to handle on the forecheck if you're a third defense pair or a third or fourth opposing line. Just haven't seen that enough. So he's got to, that, that nose has got to be a little bit more uh, pointed north. And I think we need to see a little bit more of that finishing checks and getting in on it hard and, you know, Kind of like, hey, all of a sudden, your NHL job isn't uh, isn't a guarantee because Martin Pospisil's not coming out anytime soon. And you know what? Adam Ruzicka is right there knocking on the door to get back in too. So now kind of need to see him play like Pospisil's played and like Walker played when his NHL job wasn't a certainty like a year ago. Need to see that a whole lot more going forward. Yeah, and I think A.J. Greer is the best example, guys. You know, here's a player who the Flames picked up off of waivers. And he has done his job, so he has stayed in the lineup. And I think if Walker Dewar plays that type of game, he won't be coming out because I actually think he's got a bit more upside offensively than A.J. Greer does. So I'm anxious to see Walker Dewar tonight. But, Wes, you made a really good point, talking about the emergence of a couple of rookies in Martin Pospisil and Connor Zary and how that's kind of changed the conversation a little bit for the Flames. And you look at what the Calgary Wranglers have done this season. I don't think that that team is close to being the most talented team in the American Hockey League, but they keep winning games. And I believe, as someone who spent 13 years in that league and kind of watched guys go up and come down and uh, try to figure out what motivates players at that level, because for the first time in a long time, the pipeline is flowing from the Wranglers to the Flames. I think it's created a, a really high level of internal competition because guys know that if they play well at the AHL level, unlike the last couple of years or last number of years, they're actually going to get a shot at, at some point in time to play at the NHL level. So I think it's helped motivate guys like Pospisil and, and Zeri and even guys who are down right now. Uh, like Matt Coronado and Adam Klapka and Jordan Osterley and Ilya Soloviev, Dustin Wolf. These guys know that if they do their job at the AHL level, they're going to get a chance at the NHL level. So I think that's one of the reasons why the Wranglers have had so much success this season. They've got a lot of motivated players who are watching their former teammates get rewarded for their hard work by getting called up, getting played, and being given an opportunity to do what Zeri's done and put up eight points in his first eight NHL games, and Pospisil five points in his first seven games in the league. So I think the internal competition has been great for individual players and for the organization as a whole. Willsie, I know uh, Pat's going to get in trouble if we don't go to break soon, so I, I just want to thank you for pointing out what a great point I made. And I made the I same will, point. Why I does Wes get all the credit? I will be e-transfer shortly. <laughs> I feel disrespected. Well, I think Wes made it first, didn't he? Probably. I feel disrespected is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, Pat, you made uh, the second best point. 
with disrespect. It was fine. Bye, Wilsey. Uh, <laughs> see you in a little bit. See you in a bit. Uh, Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, and uh, a sensitive, offended Pat. That'll do it for our Daily Flames Roundtable this hour. Not really offended. Settle down. Uh, Wes is on to it. Derek knew that, but if you're listening, I'm not actually offended. I'm soft, but I'm not that soft. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. That's been your Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz, Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.